Reading our Bibles regularly can be a challenge, but we're all on this journey together. We're praying that this podcast inspires you, helps you better understand God's Word, and builds your faith. This is Join the Journey with your host, Emma Daughter. Thanks for joining. Today, we're reading 2 Samuel 8 and 9. And if you read today's devotional on the Join the Journey app or website, you know that it's getting at the sentiment, what does it mean to live differently? Or to say that in a different way, as a believer, do you look differently than the world? And when we really get to the bottom of this question, the clarifying point of reflection might be, how much grace do you actually show others? Or do you ever show other people grace? Our answers say a lot about how accurately we reflect Christ to the watching world. In today's devotional, Watermark member Heather Timmons writes, In 2 Samuel 8, King David experiences victory after victory, accumulating immense wealth, power, land, and accolades. He attributes his victory to the Lord, consecrating the spoils of war to God. We read that David administered justice and equity to all his people, 2 Samuel 8, 15. King David is a humble, godly ruler. In this hour of profound success, David reflects on God's covenant goodness that led him here, and he remembers an oath he made to a friend who sacrificed for him. Enter Mephibosheth, crippled grandson of a former king, final vestige of a failed regimen, fearful, broken, alienated in every way. Mephibosheth was an outcast in hiding. Until David seeks him out and, defying all expectations, demonstrates the kindness of God. Approaching the palace, Mephibosheth fears for his life. But instead, he hears the words, Do not be afraid, for I will show you kindness, 2 Samuel 9-7. My friend, Heather writes, I pray that as you journey from Genesis to Jesus, as you're following along with this reading plan, This message reverberates to you on every page, for these are also God's words to us. I love this. This is so good. She writes, We are the helpless, the condemned ones, whom Christ sought out, 2 Samuel 9, 5, and called by name, verse 6, to us. He shows the kindness of God for our Father's sake, 2 Samuel 9, 3. He restores the lost inheritance, chapter 9, verse 7, and welcomes us to commune at his table forever, chapter 9, verse 11. Plucking Mephibosheth out of exile, the king declares him to be as a son, a recipient of grace, an honored citizen, and welcomed at the king's table, exactly as Christ has done for those who believe in him, 2 Peter 2, 4 through 5, and 2 Peter 9. Heather continues, David astonishes everyone and seats the grandson of his quote-unquote rival at his royal table. How miraculous is it that Christ invites us not only to sit and dine with him, but to partake of his very self, John 6, 51, and to dwell with him forever. One grand eternal day, all Christ's children will be gathered to feast together. Who knows? Perhaps one of us will be seated alongside Mephibosheth, friend of a king, child of God, she concludes. Such a strong devo. I really want to spend our remaining time together, as Heather began to do in her Devo, zooming in on David's treatment of Mephibosheth. It was radical, revolutionary, countercultural, and ultimately incredibly God-honoring. One commentator puts it like this. The story of David's kindness to Mephibosheth in chapter 9 helps to explain David's subsequent acceptance by the Benjaminites. 
It also enables us to see that the writer returned here to events in David's early reign. So looking at the book as a whole. And then the commentator says this, it is, in my personal opinion, the greatest illustration of grace in all the Old Testament. Let me say that again. The commentator believes that this story is the greatest illustration of grace in all of the Old Testament. If Mephibosheth was five years old when Jonathan and Saul died on Mount Gilboa, back in chapter four, the commentator continues, he was born in 1016 BC. When David captured Jerusalem in 1004 BC, Mephibosheth was 12. Now we see Mephibosheth had a young son, so perhaps he was about 20 years old. People frequently married in their teens in the ancient Near East, so perhaps the events of chapter 9 took place about 966 B.C. David's kindness, the Hebrew said, loyal love to Jonathan's son, expressed concretely by allowing him to eat at his table, shows that David was, at the beginning of his reign, a covenant-keeping king. This was one of David's strengths. His goodness to Mephibosheth was pure grace, entirely unearned by Saul's son. Yet the story is primarily about loyalty, the commentator concludes. Now, here's the deal. If David's interactions with Mephibosheth are some of the greatest, if not the greatest, illustration of grace in all of the Old Testament, it's probably important that we spend some time talking about what grace is. So you can find this definition in the back of your Join the Journey journal, but nonetheless, grace is favor and kindness freely given to someone who rightly deserves punishment. Grace is at the heart of God's character. In the Old Testament, we see grace modeled when God chose a rebellious people, Israel, to be his own. We also see grace in the sacrificial system, where God allowed innocent animals to take the punishment for a guilty person. In the New Testament, grace is personified or comes alive in Jesus Christ through his work on the cross. God showed us incredible favor and kindness through Jesus when he died for us while we deserved judgment and wrath. God did this so we could have eternal life and an abundant life with him here on earth. Furthermore, it is only by God's grace that believers are transformed to be more like Jesus. By grace, we're empowered to live the Christian life. And there's nothing we can do to earn God's grace. He gives it freely. When I think about grace, I recall being a little kid and my parents trying to teach us what grace was. And so there were a few instances where my siblings and I rightly deserved a consequence, probably a spanking. But my parents would decide to show us grace, meaning that even though we deserved a consequence, they were going to take that consequence or that punishment away, as grace is favor and kindness freely given to someone who rightly deserves punishment. And very quickly, us kids, we learned that we loved grace. We get in trouble and we're begging mom and dad for quote unquote grace. Please, can we have grace? I don't want a spanking. Or when we're older, I don't want to get grounded. Can't I have grace, favor and kindness freely given to someone who rightly deserves punishment? That's what Jesus would give us. Right, mom? Right, dad? We were sneaky and we didn't always get grace, but we understood the concept. That's for sure. Grace being favor and kindness freely given to someone who rightly deserves punishment. Heather posed a really great question in today's devotional, and I'm going to ask you all the same question as we wrap up our time together. She writes, In response to God's extravagant love toward him, in response to God's grace in his life, 
David demonstrates an unconditional, liberal, generous kindness to someone who was regarded as having no rightful claim on him. Has the Lord set someone in your life for you to minister to today? Is there someone you need to show grace? If there is someone in your life who can be hard to love, commit to regularly asking the Lord to help you meet that person with the Lord's indelible, all-consuming kindness. It's a challenge that's much easier said than done, but worth it in the long run. That's all we've got time for, but as always, I'm so glad we're all on this journey reading the Bible together. The Join the Journey podcast is produced by Watermark Community Church in Dallas, Texas. You can learn more about Watermark by connecting with us on social media. Just search Watermark Church, all one word. And to read along with us, visit jointhejourney.com. And thank you guys for listening.